Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 123. We're going to get straight into the madness today, and I do mean madness. I mean, I would much rather today be talking about this Colorado court case and how the president of the United States, the rightful president of the United States today, in my opinion, and and the front runner for president for 2024 is being um, law off of the ballots in certain states, in certain states. I mean, this is the most important story Um going on in the news right now. There's no doubt about it. Uh, for your political opponents to to do unprecedented legal or take unprecedented legal action uh, to, to circumvent the rights for citizens to choose their leadership in America is, is an infomnia to the Constitution and American foundational beliefs. But I'm forced to, for the last time, hopefully, address my dear friend Jason Whitlock, who I continue to... Um, I would say be gracious to, be understanding of, and, and try and uh, leave the door open for reconciliation because I have genuine care and love for him. And that's the honest to God truth. I can't say it any other way. I mean, I, I told people last night, I told people on Saturday night, I told people on Friday when this whole thing broke out, keep following Fearless, keep following Jason. But after last night's personal attack, you know, vicious personal attack, which is quite strange, which I'm going to get into some today, but, but um, you know, my, my patience is wearing kind of thin. And you all out there know me to be a militant individual. You know, you all out there know me to have a very short fuse. And I've been very, very gracious to, 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 to Jason. I, I have not, um, you know, lost my cool, so to speak, but, but I'm getting to the point, you know. But God has given me a lot of, uh, God has given me a lot of strength right now to, to deal with, with Jason in a way that's advantageous for the entire country and the entire conversation, because again, it's not really about me. And first let's start by saying, I don't do this for money. I don't get paid from this. I didn't get paid to be on fearless. I don't get paid to go on war room with the great Steve Bannon. Shout out to the war room posse. I know you guys are out there. I love you to death. I don't get paid to go on Infowars. I don't get paid to do any. I didn't get paid to lead the lead, uh, the, the George Floyd protests to the federal reserve. I'm on nobody's payroll. I know a lot of these BLM activists, a lot of these George Soros activists are getting actual checks to do these impromptu uh, protests and things like that. I know there's a lot of dark money out there going towards the illusion of demonstration, the illusion of, of revolt, the illusion of rebellion, the illusion of, of social disobedience or, 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 or fighting the establishment. They're creating the illusion of pushing back on the status quo. Myself, personally, I just get up and push back on the status quo, and it's been that way since I was about uh, 21 years old. Any of you who have followed the podcast or followed my story know when I was 21 years old coming in the NBA, I was talking about late capitalism and crony capitalism and that the NBA was the watering hole for a global corporate community. I mean, I was talking about globalism before it was even popular in, in alternative uh, media, right, so to speak. And part of the reason is because I had already been watching Alex Jones since I was young. I had already come up in a, in a, in a sort of uh, 
and a sort of red-pilled mentality. And that's why I always give a lot of respect and love to Alex Jones and will continue to defend and fight on behalf of Alex Jones and the work that he's done, as well as Steve Bannon. But our relationship came a little bit later, and Steve wasn't out there as a commentator early on, so on and so forth. Regardless, let's walk through some of these erroneous things that Jason Whitlock said last night, and and a lot of it was erroneous. Uh, But first and foremost, let's address this, did I vote for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris? No is the answer. Number one, I didn't vote for Joe Biden or Kamal Harris. Number two, at the time of the George Floyd protests, I was doing group boots on the ground protest um, organization, right? I was I was organizing where and where when and where we would go, security and all of these you know different things. And so there was a moment there where I tried to lean on other people who had volunteered to run social media, to help with social media, to do tweeting and and all of that sort of posting and things like that. We had an entire team of volunteers, people who volunteered under false auspices, which we would later figure out we weren't ideologically aligned with and couldn't trust. If you know anything about it locally, which many people out there in the national media or the national audience wouldn't know, but there was a huge, huge uh, blow up within the community, within the organization about leadership of the organization that that I had started and had you know um, had been the the organization that led these protests these peaceful protests that did not call for defunding the police or did not call for um, you know uh, racial reverse racism against all white people or anything like that it was about sovereignty it was about corporatocracy it was about the federal reserve it was about the media using George Floyd and other black men as a as a token uh, for their agenda and and that was why I became cross with a lot of the BLM activists locally who didn't think that I had any right to to pop up out of nowhere and just start leading protests and that was their real criticism of me they said, who are you to just pop up and, and start leading protests and, 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 you know, talking about your own, your own message? Well, who are you to have your own message? We've been here for six, seven years since Trayvon Martin and BLM started. People who were actually paid to do it from the very beginning, you could, you could, you could say. Now, don't get me wrong. When it comes to George Floyd, everybody who went out to protest was not a part of BLM. Everybody who went out to protest has not been brainwashed with Marxism to some degree. Everybody who went out to protest is not politically active. Some of these people had never voted before in their life. Some of these people had never voted before, you know, at all, let alone, you know, Democrat. Some of these people were just genuinely upset with what they saw that, you know, which which took place with George Floyd. And it got co-opted because that's what this system in the establishment does. So I never voted for Joe Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, but I cannot say that those tweets aren't real because we let I let people tweet for me. Now you could say when I was 27 years old and and out running around and, and being more active in the streets that was a bad move. That was a a, a stupid thing to do. Uh, but a lot of us have a lot of public figures or you know celebrities or politicians even have people who tweet for them and they say things that they should shouldn't say. We know it happens. Um, the point I'll make here is an important one, and I think it's very important to mention in regards to Donald Trump and what we're seeing with this lawfare, but really an attempt to, to besmirch his character. And I must say, I'm not surprised that when you get that close to the, the truth, right, the Icarus effect, when you fly that close to the sun, you're going to start to get the character assassinations. I get it. I am still a little taken aback that 
uh, Jason Whitlock is the one that they send to do the to do the job. I'm taken aback that he would participate in it. I'm really taken aback by the things that he said and, and his overall energy towards me in the podcast yesterday. And um, I mean, let's just talk about it. Number one, I didn't vote for Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris. Number two, I've never been a registered Democrat voter in my entire life. I spent my first eight years of, of my adult life since being a registered age to vote living away from where my legal residence was. Number one, when I left Minnesota to go to Iowa State, I was a legal resident of Minnesota, so I couldn't vote in those early elections when I first turned 21 or, or 18, excuse me. Uh, and, and then when I got drafted into the NBA, I was on the move constantly, you know, state to state, city to city, moving around, living in different places, never really got pinned down to be able to vote because I never really had a legal residence. I was all the way, you know, you know on the go so to speak, in my life, not just on a daily basis, but in my life. Uh, and then I lived in Canada for two, two and a half years. And I, I couldn't vote when I was living in Canada. And why would I send an absentee ballot? I mean, we all know that's a scam. I mean, I thought that was a scam even then. We now know that there's a huge scam going on with absentee ballots. And, and that's worth noting going into this next election cycle. But however, so, you know, when the George Floyd thing happened right around 2019, 2020, I was just getting back into the swing of things politically, being in America, living back here in America, joined the big three, was playing in the big three, had a lot of stuff going on. The George Floyd thing was a complete shit show, unorganized. And in my, in my lack of foresight, we allowed, we gave people the benefit of the doubt to help and volunteer not fully understanding the, the depth of, of liberalism and Marxism and this sort of woke identity left politics that had seeped in at the grassroots level. Honest to God, we didn't, we didn't realize, at least I didn't realize, because I hadn't been living in Minnesota in the community on the ground. I was living abroad, I was living in, in Ames, Iowa, then I was living in Houston, Texas, then I was living in Philadelphia, then I was living in California, then I was living in Toronto, and, and uh, I mean, uh, London, Ontario. Uh, so I didn't really have a good sense of the community um, here in, in Minneapolis. So when the George Floyd thing happened and I said, listen, I'm going to organize these protests. Me and some of my athlete friends want to speak to bringing a more peaceful, a more peaceful demonstration to the to the narrative. Right. CNN, they're showing things on fire. Everything's burning. People are, you know, just losing their minds, you know, for, in, in, in many ways. And we said, look, this ain't right. Even if we have a gripe about George Floyd, even if there's a gripe about the police, there's a way to do it and there's a way to talk about it. And I tried to represent that, and I think I did. And in the process, I uncovered myself to be somebody who the left was hostile towards. I've been honest about that. I've been open about that. I've told the story on Jason Whitlock's show. I've told the story about how I led these protests and the Marxists and the LGBTQ and the radical feminists and the claims of Me Too and all this stuff came out of that moment, how I needed to see that in order to understand just how deep the liberalism and, and woke politics went in my own community. And we came across, in fact, one of the inciting incidents that really took our volunteer base, which was quite substantial, by the way, our volunteer base and flipped them against me, but a, a lot of the black males, was we had an individual, a black male in that group who was very opposed to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because after the George Floyd thing had kind of simmered down um, and it was no, no longer really about policing. I mean, some politicians carry that on, but on the ground, you know, there was the, the energy always waters down after an inciting incident. We know how it goes. The further people get away from it, out of sight, out of mind. 
Then the energy toward, turned towards voting. Okay, let's get everybody voting. Let's do a, a vote day. Let's do, and this is where the real conflict or the confrontation came between myself, other black men in the organization, and the white liberal women and some of the, the, the black liberal women and some of the white liberal men and, and so on and so forth. Some of the former L, uh, LGBTQ or BLM activists. This is where things really hit a, hit a, uh, came to a head. As I said, look, this man has the right to say whatever he wants about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And in fact, I think they're both sellouts. I think Joe Biden is full of shit. He was a part of the 1994 crime bill. He's as much of a rhino neocon as any Republican we could point out, right? Rhino neocon. They're on that side of the aisle as well. When we talk about people being rhinos, there are Democrats who are, you know, dinos, let's call them, right? Democrats in name only. Or they're not servicing the... What we mean when we say rhino or Democrat or, or neocon or, or neoliberal, we're talking about a group of people who use their position politically to forward a message or agenda that they really don't believe in. And when they get in a position to have an effect on that set of, uh, of policies or legislation, they betray it for a higher payoff, right? They sell the people out. And we've seen that on both sides of the aisle. And I said, Joe Biden is, is awful. He's been awful for his whole career in D.C. And Kamala Harris is a, a sellout completely. I mean, you can just see it on her. You don't even have to, you don't even have to know her record. If you get into a record, you really find out how much of a sellout she is. But you don't have to know her record. And again, a lot of us black men said, why are you guys making all of this? Uh, why are you making uh, or giving a pass to all of these black women who talk about white supremacy, but they're all married to white men? Not that there's anything wrong with interracial marriages, but it is odd, it is strange to see black women say that white men are the root of all evil and then they go marry one and start a family with one and are gonna live the rest of their life with one. I mean, if white men are innately evil and racist, tell me how your, your, your picker, your, your, your radar is so good you feel comfortable marrying one. These were contradictions we were calling out on the ground in Minneapolis and it caused a rift. So there's my explanation about the Joe Biden, Kamala Harris thing. We let people tweet. We let people post. I let people post for me. And to be honest, you know, after these big fallout arguments or, you know, sort of hit campaigns came from from within the organization and in the immediate community, I didn't take time to go back and look at my tweets and say, oh, let me delete this. Let me delete that. Was it a mistake? Maybe. It actually provides a very good runway to talk about a very necessary thing today in politics, and that's purity testing. And Jason, respectfully, bro, you know, you're really showing your ass now, buddy. I'm just going to tell you, you're showing your ass. Anybody who watched that, anybody who watched my two podcasts and then they watched you melt down last night trying to assassinate my character. First of all, they know you're full of shit, or at least they know you're full of shit in this particular case. Uh, I won't say that Jason Whitlock's full of shit in his entire life because I don't believe that. I don't need to go there in order to make the point that needs to be made. That's maturity. That's sacred honor. That's the, that's the building blocks of national honor. That's the building blocks of leadership. I don't need to mischaracterize Jason to make my point or defend myself. And, you know, I can kind of tell that Jason really didn't watch the entire podcast that I made because his energy was very hostile and either what he said was completely full of shit or maybe somebody around him told him what was said in the podcast and mischaracterized it. I don't know. Anybody who's in this audience, anybody who watched those two podcasts knows I meant Jason no harm. I didn't say anything that wasn't already public knowledge. 
I didn't share private information, and I certainly didn't try and attack Jason on a character basis. And in, in, in any in any any uh sort of in any sort of uh, violent way, you know, let's let's use that term. Like I'm trying to cut him down. Not at all. If anything, I was trying to lift him up. But it does bring up an interesting point, and I'm glad we're here because I started to think about it. And in my mind, I go, isn't it strange that the black man who supposedly or allegedly voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is not welcome in the Republican or conservative movement, in the MAGA movement? But that same Republican Party, that same MAGA movement, knows full well that Ronald Reagan, the saint of the Republican Party, was a Democrat who defected from the Democrat Party. Donald Trump is famously been involved with Democrat politicians and politics before. He himself talks about it. All of these Democrats who try and alienate him and demonize him didn't have a problem with him when they were coming to him for money. Why? Because Democrat politics are, are very popular in New York City. It's a demographic, geographic sort of politics is very geographic and demographic. And I've always said I come from a Democrat community. And in fact, I've always been a person. You can, I'll have Mama Dukes on the podcast and she'll, she'll recant in 2016 when I was telling people Hillary Clinton is a clown at then. Um, but but we're, we're doing a purity test. When, and you know what it shows? It shows a lack of political acumen, but it also shows a lack of Christian and evangelical acumen. We want people who didn't believe in God, who are atheists, who were involved in some satanic cult. We want people who uh, blasphemed. We want people who took the Lord's name in vain to repent and come into the communion of, of Christianity. We want to convert people. That's what being an evangelist is. That's a big part of it. We want people to, to repent for their sins. We want people to come forward and say, me a cope. And they don't have to do it to the public, you know, but they can do it. They, they should do it with God. And in doing so with God, we can, we can surely share a, a, a community of Christian values. We want people to convert from not being Christian to being Christian. We want people to go from being Democrat to being Republican. We want people to defect from the Democrat Party to being MAGA or being America First or Nationalist Populist. We want that. That's the whole reason we're doing this work. And it shows you that it's probably not the reason Jason's doing this work. To be quite honest, I mean, this whole thing is, is a sort of a, a gossip girl, politics with French fries, fast food, baby food for black folks, and, and, and you know, um, headline chasing Republican voters. And, you know, to be quite honest, I don't even know if they're voters. I know the people who say they're Republican, but don't vote. I mean, that's a big problem we're seeing across the country is that the number, you know, the elections being rigged aside, which I think they are rigged. I think 20, 20, uh, 2020 had some serious uh, rigging involved, and I would venture to guess 2022 as well. And I would say, like I've said always, the rigging's probably happened on both sides. The rigging's probably happened for a long time. And, and not even when it comes to the 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 voter uh, booth on the day of the elections, but just the influence of money and lobbying and, 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 and the corporate media as, as a huge influence or impact. We saw that with social media. So this is starting to show you who Jason really is. And I just want to say to you, brother, I'm praying for you. 
because you're way out there in the water. You're way out past the warning sign in, in these waters. I mean, you're making print. You're starting from premises that contradict your own work. How can you have a show about Christianity and Christian values and, and, and bringing black people or anybody into a, a better understanding of being Christian and the value of being Christian, the benefit of being Christian, but you're not going to accept people who didn't believe in God before? Or what about the people who believed in Christ and then they fell away from the faith and are now returning to Christ through the show or through your work or through my work? Like the comment we saw on YouTube that I text messaged you where the man said, I used to, you know, I, I was a believer. I fell away from the faith. But when I hear Roy's talk, it makes me want to come back to Christ. That's evangelical work. I want people who didn't believe in God to start to believe in God and Christianity. I want people who are caught up on the Democrat plantation to come and see the value of America first citizenship and worldview. That's the whole point of what we're doing. It doesn't seem like it's the point of what you're doing and your attempt to assassinate my character really shows that. I mean, it really shows, what are you doing this for? Well, what's the point of this if not to move the needle? I'll tell you what the point is. It's the point of the entire Fox, neocon, uh, uh, traditional conservative media apparatus to create a purity line so they can divide and conquer. And that's what they're trying to do now. And that's what your masters, you know, show me who you can't criticize and I'll show you who your master is. Your masters, I've sent you to try and sabotage my character. When I'm an open book, I mean, you can't really see. <laughs> Again, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat before. Donald Trump was a Democrat before, or he had a lot of uh, uh, dealings with Democrats. We celebrate Ronald Reagan. I'm supporting Donald Trump to the max. I don't care about what he was doing before, and that's another issue. My attack on Mark Levin is not necessarily about what he did during the Iran-Contra scandal. I mean, that's just on paper, and it's so corrupt. I mean, that's not a casual opinion that he had about politics. That's not a tweet of Mark Levin's from 30 years ago, 20 years ago. That was a, a systematic and administrative role that he was involved in to suppress information, vital information, about the security state and the intelligence community from the American people. There's nothing casual about that. There, there's nothing passive about that. And there is a degree of severity in what people have been involved in in their life. Were you involved in uh, stealing a candy bar from the corner store or were you involved in a triple homicide? I mean, there's a difference. In this case, I think that 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 analogy makes sense because making a character assassination of me for a tweet. But your 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 boss or one of the head honchos in the blaze ecosystem. Ran a Ely or, or, or was involved in covering up and uh, or shilling for protecting an illegal drug deal that affected the black community. And you tell me on the show that you can't say his name, that I can't say his name, that he's your friend. And let's get to that portion of this, because, again, I'm not interested in where people were so much as where they are and where they're headed. And that's anybody. And I've always said, if any one of these Democrats want to come across the picket line, please, you're welcome. If any one of these independents, if any one of these atheists want to come and be baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ and, and, and you know, submit their will to God, please, we welcome you. I'm not creating a purity test. We want more people to see the way, to see the truth. If we're really interested in doing this work 
for the reasons we say we are, right? I'm not interested in where Donald Trump was 30 years ago. I'm interested in where he is today and where he's headed. And I can see where he's headed. That's why I'm supporting him now. And I haven't always been the biggest Donald Trump fan or supporter. It took me a while to look at the, to first of all, to find the information because the information about Donald Trump, the good information was hidden. That's why I love Steve Bannon so much. That's why I respect Steve Bannon so much because watching War Room, watching Steve Bannon talk about populism helped me understand what was going on with Donald Trump and what had become a, a, a serious sort of firewall, a, a firewall of misinformation and propaganda media towards Donald Trump. We could all go to Google right now. You could Google my name. What's the first thing that's going to pop up? What they want you to see. The same thing with Donald Trump. There's conservative media. There's sites that, that are the real, the real information, a real uh, perspective on Donald Trump's presidency, his political work, and, and everything that he stood for that you can barely find. And then they give you some soundbite of what he said. or you know, It's hard to find the truth, and I won't, I won't um, discredit anybody because I understand it's hard to find the truth. Now, people like Mark Levin, they know the truth. They crafted the truth. They crafted the... What about Mark Levin? So I'm wrong for what I tweeted in 2016, which I didn't tweet, but just for argument's sake, I'm wrong for a tweet in 2016, but your boy Mark Levin said that he would never support Trump in, in 2016. He said he would never, be, he, he, and in fact, he threatened the conservative movement. He threatened Donald Trump's uh, team and said, if Donald Trump pisses him off one more, made it super personal. If Donald Trump pisses me off one more time, I'll use my influence with millions of Americans to make sure y'all don't vote for him. Go look it up. It's right there. It's not hidden. He was very unabashed about it, making a political, making a presidential campaign super personal and wielding his, his, his platform, his podium, his, his, his audience, wielding the position he had to influence the election. He was very, very cocky and arrogant about it. And let's get to that point. I mean, really, you're going out of your, and, and you, you're looking bad, bro. I'm just going to tell you, you're looking bad. Because when people look at me, they can tell that I'm not working in anybody's interest because there's nobody I won't name. A good purity test, if you're going to have a purity test, is our people, let's start from the baseline, are people willing to discuss things truthfully? Are people willing to say things with a full throat? Is there somebody that people won't talk honestly about? Look at my record. Bring it up on the show. When I first talked, when I first said the term anti-Jews, you got squirmish in your seat. You got queasy in the stomach. You had to go back to the team. You had to go back to the, to the brain trust and make sure this was a, was a thread that we could go down. I was the first one to even, to even talk about uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish identity, Judaism, and the relationship between that and the black identity on Fearless. And you can go back in the record and check it. And then you came around the bend and said, yeah, I've seen that too because I've been in media. This is on the record. This ain't private stuff. This was in this was in the unfolding of the show because I'm not afraid to talk about the Jewish identity and how it's used the same way. I'm not afraid to talk about the black identity and how it's used or the LGBTQ identity and how it's used or the female or woman identity and how it's used or Democrats and Republicans and how it's used. There's nobody I won't name. There's nobody I won't talk about. And Mark Levin certainly ain't an exception. Who the fuck is he? Who the fuck is he?
to, to, to be tiptoeing around. And you really are showing how, how desperate you are for some strange reason to assassinate my character. I mean, in the show, you're willing to do it. I, if you're going to build a character assassination on a motherfucker like me, it better be thorough. I mean, you're showing what you think of your audience, and I get it. There are a lot of people who watch Fearless. They're just, they're just a fact. I can tell by the comments. There are a lot of people who watch Fearless who are so desperate to have a voice that, that, that you know, smooths out the chaos for them in this, this turmoil of our society, of our country, of our political culture, of our spiritual culture. They're so need of a voice or a distraction they probably didn't even realize how poorly that, that character assassination was, was shaped. I mean, in the actual episode, you said that Mark Levin is not an owner of the Blaze. That's a lie. Either he wasn't on. First of all, there was a merger between a company he owned and Glenn Beck's company. Blaze, the Blaze and, and CCR TV. It became Blaze Media. Okay, so at that point, he was a co-owner. Not only that, he, before that, he's, he was a founder. He's listed as a founder on the website right now. And regardless of whether he's still an owner, if he's a silent owner, if he's you know, got any say at the place, I don't give a shit about any of that. The point is, I didn't pick him out of a hat. I didn't pick Mark Levin's name out of a hat randomly, like you try to paint it out on the show last night. I didn't just wake up and say, oh, it's Mark Levin's turn. I'm going for Mark Levin. It's time for Mark Levin to get a dose. No. You had me come on the show to talk about Matt Gates. I had seen a number of conservative media commentators take shots, vicious shots at Matt Gates for, for bringing the motion to vacate McCarthy. Levin was one of the top guys because he's one of the top voices. I didn't pick him by accident. It wasn't random and it wasn't personal. Other than I can't stand people who shill at that level, whether you're Democrat or Republican, uniparty. I can't stand it. To say that Matt Gates was was an attention seeker, or he was a con man, or he was you know he was uh, arrogant, or or you know whatever the case, whatever whatever, because he wanted to vacate McCarthy was completely and utterly ridiculous. And it sent you it sent you back in a time capsule. It, it reverted you back to the time when when Mark Levin said, I'll never vote for Trump. It wasn't about Trump. It was about the it was about the policies and the worldview that Donald Trump represented. And it came through and, and Matt Gates and many. Now, Donald Trump represents a, a myriad of political views of, of worldviews. We all do. But the view that Donald Trump ran on. The view that Donald Trump campaigned on about draining the swamp was exactly what Matt Gates stood up in the well and said. And for Mark Levin to, to, to attack Matt for that is dishonest, especially when you do a show saying that you support Donald Trump. How can you support Donald Trump but the cornerstone of his candidacy you berate a man for who's going before the Congress and taking the arrows for calling out lobbyism, lobbyism and corporate interests? Well, why? Because Mark Levin isn't outside the scope of lobbyism and corporate interests. He's on the record using his platform to threaten to influence the election through his, his, his audience, which is a form of lobbyism, right? You, on your very own show last night, 
you showed the clip. <clears throat> you ran the clip of the show we had two weeks ago where I brought up, Mark's Levin, brought up Mark Levin's name, called him an asshole, talked, said his name a few times, and you stopped me in the middle of the show and said, hey, don't say his name anymore. You ran the clip of you doing that, and then you're going to say that, that Mark Levin is your friend. And then afterward, go back and say, but I've only talked to him three times. I've only talked to him two, three times. How can you call a man your friend you've only talked to two, three times, but you, and on the show, admit that you talk to me once, twice, every couple of weeks over the last year and a half? Loyalty. Sacred honor. Sacred honor as a predicate for national honor. Where is yours? Where is yours? Where is your sacred honor? Where's your loyalty? We're all starting to see where it is. We're all starting to see where your loyalty is. And I go and I look and I, and I see Glenn Beck's timeline and I see a radical pro-Israel stance. And I hear Mark Levin talk about unlimited aid. Oh, and your boy Mark Levin, I mean, this is how loco it is. There will be MAGA people out there, America First people, Ron DeSantis people, whatever, conservatives, Republicans, who look at some tweet that Jason now posts about me supposedly voting for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris as a litmus test or a purity test of my commitment to the movement. But they'll sit there and listen to him say Mark Levin's his friend when Mark Levin uses Israel's nuclear arsenal to threaten America to send aid. Mark Levin, as a supporter and, and representative, so to speak, of the Israeli position, political position, and our relationship, our foreign relationship with them, basically said, if America doesn't send aid, then we may have to use nukes. Israel may have to use nukes. That's your friend? This guy is your friend? You, you, you got to assess what, what you, how you throwing the friend word around, my guy. This man is your friend. He's blackmailing the American taxpayer out of tax dollars, but more so, but more so, uh, you know, the psychological blackmail of saying, "Hey, if, if you guys don't help us, we'll start a uh, we'll start a, a a level of conflict that will have ramifications for the entire human population." Psychopath, psychopath, and you know what's obvious. The psychosis that would even allow Mark Levin to become a prominent voice in conservative media is somewhat widespread. And there is a level of psychosis. This is the mass formation psychosis that Robert Malone was talking about. We just didn't think that it would hit home. We just didn't want it to hit home. We didn't want to have to discuss it in the camp. But for a man to use his audience, for a man to use his, 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 uh, you know, his, his position as a, as a political commentator, to say, to, to even mention that Israel could even think about using nuclear weapons if they don't, if they don't receive aid from the United States is blackmail. Now, it's not literally legal blackmail, but in a cultural sense, in a conversational sense, it's a form of blackmail. He knows what he's doing. This is your friend, but you've only talked to him three times. You've only talked to Mark Levin three times in your entire life. You talked to me at least a couple times every couple of weeks, you said. Plus all the time that we've talked together on the show for hours and hours of accumulated time. 
plus the text messages and all, you know, all the things, all the conversation that we've had. This man is your friend? And you're not protecting him. You're not protecting him, but you tell me on your show that I shouldn't say his name, and then you cut it out. And then you got the audacity to come out and say, oh, I told him to cut, the, cut your part out of the show because, because you, 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 you cursed him, right? Because you called him an asshole. Really? Anytime people use swear words, myself included, on the show in the past, they bleep it out. Why, when Mark Levin's name is involved, you cut the entire thing out? Why is it that anybody, anybody who we have a disagreement with should be cut out or, or edited? If we have a disagreement, we have a disagreement. Look, bring it to the camp. Bring, it, bring, bring him in. If he's your friend, why can't you call him and get him on the show? Mark Levin ain't been on his show one time. Why has Mark Levin not come and been on Jason's show? Why has Mark Levin not come and talked about his position on Jason's show? Why isn't Mark Levin coming in and you and Mark Levin can talk about the Jewish influence like you wanted to do the other day with the NAACP and Dave Chappelle and, and, uh, and Kyrie Irving and Kanye West? Why haven't you brought him in to have that conversation? Tell us. Starting to look a little little desperate, bro. I'm just telling you. Starting to look a little bit desperate. And I saw the comments. I saw the live chat. And, and the live chat and the comments are exactly why you went to the next level of desperation to try and besmirch me or, or defame me or, or assassinate my character by bringing up a tweet from 2020. Four years ago, I was 27 years old, first of all. But you know the story. You know that the, the, the woke community activists here in Minneapolis tried to go to work on me because I talked about the freedom of movement, the freedom of representation, the freedom of economy, the idea of sovereignty itself. I'm on the record, buddy. I'm on the record in front of the Federal Reserve with a 30 by 30 foot canvas that has sovereignty written on the front. And there is a political movement that's happening. There are people from the left that are continuing to defect from the left's policies, from the left's stronghold on the American psychology, on American politics. They're, they're continuing to see the light. I get messages from them every day. I get calls from them every day. I get people every day who are saying, damn, man, I never seen it like that. And you got to ask yourself who Jason Whitlock is if, if his goal or if his purity test isn't to let those people in what are you really doing and it's a question i have for a lot of these commentators if what you're doing isn't to evangelize either politically or spiritually what exactly are you doing well it's a, when you really when you really pull back when you pull back the lens and you look at what jason's conversation is on a regular basis it becomes clear that he's doing exactly what Fox News has always done. That's why they don't like Steve Bannon. That's why they don't like Donald Trump, because Steve Bannon and Donald Trump provide the, the, the opportunity for people who have been tricked and brainwashed to see the truth and come on across the line. Black, Hispanic men. It's been a focal point of Steve Bannon's uh, political platform at the war room. Anybody who's watched it knows that. Look at Carrie Lake. 
Carrie Lake was very liberal uh, in, in her past. She's talked about that. She was much more moderate, much more liberal, much more towards the middle. She's become more radical than anybody by their standards, by their, by their description. We want that. We love where Carrie Lake is headed. <laughs> we love where Carrie Lake is, and we love where Carrie Lake is headed. We love where Carrie Lake is headed. Keep going. And me and Carrie have a great relationship, and we speak often, and we support each other often. And I appreciate Carrie Lake's fight there in Arizona. That's the real fight. And what do they call her? A radical. What did Jason Whitlock call me? A radical last night. He called me a radical. Who's the leftist? Who's the liberal? He called me a conspiracy theorist. And oh, he really let the cat out of the bag when he said he's been receiving anti-Semitic emails. The same man who called me to come on the show to talk about, <laughs> the same man who called me to come on the show to talk about blacks and Jews at the level of Dave Chappelle, Kyrie, and Kanye West. Dave Chappelle, Kyrie Irving, and Kanye West, and he wants to talk about the NAACP and the Jewish influence at the NAACP in our, in our history. That man now is trying to make me out to be the anti-Semite? No, I can't be anti-Semitic. It's not possible. Just like they'll call Professor Penn anti-Semitic, my dear friend, my best friend, the man I talk to every single day, is a Ukrainian Jew who has family there in Israel right now, who has family from the Ukraine where the war is happening right now. He's my dearest friend. And there are a number of people around me who are my dear friends who are Jewish, who don't appreciate the Jewish identity being used in this way. And I've offered many times to let Professor Penn come on the Fearless Podcast and hurt crickets. Why? Does he threaten to destabilize the narrative that Glenn Beck and Mark Levin run? Does he threaten to destabilize the image that Mark Levin and Glenn Beck represent for the Jewish identity or for the Jewish uh, lobby? Why can't we have a, a, another Jewish perspective? Why can't we have another man who's from the conflict areas of the Jewish political discourse? And it's not just Professor Penn. There are others as well. But I'm the anti-Semite. But now people who say that the same influence you claimed certain Jewish elites have over the entertainment industry have it over you, and now they're anti-Semitic. Are y'all seeing what's happening here? Are y'all seeing the play being run here? And I say, and look, I only, you know, when I got home last night, I spent about an hour watching the entire War Room show. If you haven't seen yesterday's episode, you should go watch it on Rumble. Steve Bannon, who was taken off of YouTube five, six months after the George Floyd situation, before January, or right around January 6th, so this would have been right after the election, right? And I was protesting then that they took Steve Bannon off of YouTube. And I was tweeting about January 6th then, saying that all you black folks are just jealous that these people were actually willing to go to the, the doorstep of power. And that it all looked kind of suspicious how the thing went down. But I respect people who are willing to protest. I think it should be peaceful because when you don't do it peacefully, you show a lack of temperance and restraint 
or you show a lack of uh, a lack of long-term commitment to the fight. Let's do sit-ins. Let's do sit-ins for two, three years if need be. If the Republic's really on the line, let's spend as much time as we... Wouldn't it be glorious if they look back 100 years from now and say that MAGA, that MAGA constituency right there in that, that little window, they carved out three years and for, for 1,000 days they were a revolving community of protest and demonstration and sitting in at the doorstep of power to save that nation. That's sacred honor. That gets me going in the morning. The prospect of such a glorious moment gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, I'm like the, 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 the crew in Wolf on Wall Street. We used to do this thing in London, Ontario before the games when you know, Matthew McConaughey, you know, teaches Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, uh. I, used to, I used to rile the team up like that before the games when I was living in Canada. Shout out to the London Lightning. We won two straight championships, 900 uh, winning record, and I was the MVP both seasons. Say what you want. Canada's a pretty competitive league because you get a lot of Americans. When you're overseas, you only get two Americans. Canada, you only need two Canadians. So it's more competitive than people think. Regardless, the prospect of such a thing gets me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love that. And I think all of us should love that. And we have to find that commitment. But who are you, Jason? Who are you? What is the goal of what you're doing if not to bring people who thought different before and have them see differently today? Whether it's about Christ, whether it's about our political elites, whether it's about corporate, the corporate community or corporate culture, whether it's about black communities and, the, and black culture, that's the whole point of what you're doing. And on most days, your state of mind is, is, is reasonable enough to convey that, that we're trying to change the conversation or change the circumstance. But when it comes to this specific situation, you look desperate to keep things the same. And you're even willing to cast aspersions against your real friends, against your real friends, people who really have love for you, people who you could really call on if it was serious. I mean, if it was really serious, people who you could really rely on. You want to you wanna cast aspersions on us for the very things you're saying in the same exact show. I'm the anti-Semite. Man, you sound just like the Washington Post. You sound just like Mother Jones. You sound just like the Star Tribune. Oh, when Roy says globalism, he's talking about Jews. No, I'm not. There are plenty of globalism from every race, ethnicity, creed, religion, uh, age, gender. There are globalists all across the board. It just so happens that Israel was the first act of the new global organization called the United Nations. Israel, the inception of that state, was the first act of the current hegemony of globalism, which is the United Nations in this sort of international peacekeeping community. And they haven't been able to keep the peace that well for Israel, have they? No, they haven't. In fact, they haven't been able to keep the peace that well for anybody. What they've become is the highest form of, of organized crime. And the ramifications of that are, are far and wide. From the global all the way to the local. Last but not least, Jason Whitlock. Not last but not least. I want to address this as well. Jason Whitlock says, Royce is obsessed with politics. You know, he, he's obsessed. 
I'm obsessed with politics. How can you? This tells you a man who doesn't understand how dire the situation is. I'm obsessed with politics because I come from the belly of the beast. I understand how brainwashed people are, how much of a head start the establishment has on people like me who want to tell the truth. And then there are all these little paid actors to get in our way on the on the path. Yeah, I'm damn concerned. I'm I'm damn, uh, you know, obsessed. There's an urgency. Absolutely. There's an urgency to save this republic. More people should be obsessed with saving this republic. I would say that's prudent. Not talking about Deion Sanders for 40 minutes. And you say, I'm obsessed with politics, and you're upset with my criticism. And then you do the exact, I mean, it's almost like, and, and to all of Jason's fans out there, again, don't unsubscribe. Continue to give Jason that feedback and that support and that prayer and that motivation, that encouragement to see the truth and go higher. But my patience is wearing thin. We're only three days in to this, this little conflict between us, and you've already gone full-blown desperation white woman. This is what liberal white women do. But hell, you live there in Nashville, so what do I expect, right? I mean, you live there in the heart of downtown Nashville, surrounded by liberal white women, young liberal white women at that, the bachelorette capital respectfully. So I get it. I get it how that culture of the liberal white woman could, could, you know, sink its teeth into you. But where I'm at here in Minneapolis, when I ran into the young liberal white woman, I told him, get to get behind me. On the record, get behind me. Ain't no liberal white woman leading the ideological, uh, uh, spiritual, political revolt against any establishment. I know what this is. And right there, I became an enemy, and I was fine with that. Look at me. I'm still here. I'm still here, healthy, handsome, heartfelt, ready to bleed and die for the country. I'm still here. They, 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 they couldn't take me out. They can't take me out because it's not about me. It's about the ideas, just like it's not about Donald Trump. It's about the ideas. This ain't about no, any one person and their past flaws. That's what liberal white women want to make it about to try and discredit the person to stifle the movement. And what are you doing? What are you doing right now, Jason? What are you doing right here, right now? I'm obsessed with politics. No, they're about to take the president off of the ballot in Colorado. And then next, this, a couple of days later, they're going to have the same vote here in the belly of the beast. Colorado, Minnesota. This is tyranny. But when you talk about tyranny, it's more of a show thing. You know, it's for the show. It is a show. And when talking about politics and tyranny, you know, when it's football season, let's focus on football because, hell, it's football season. And then we're going to have some pseudo-revolt, some pseudo-rebellion of the Super Bowl. And maybe that's why you have a problem with me, right? Maybe that's the underlying animus. Maybe it really ain't so much even about Mark Levin. Maybe it's a cascade of, of, of things. Maybe it's you hitting me up about the Super Bowl boycotting. I told you, yeah, I like that. I support that. You know, the fact that people even still watch the NFL is beyond me when they're going to take the president off the ballot. 
that, that it's actually kind of offensive in some way, in many ways. Because it tells me that the American people aren't conscious or, or aware of, of what's going on right now. And that's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous. It's, it's scary. But more so, it's sad. Yeah, I like the NFL boycott. We'll call Bannon and Alex Jones and see if we can get them on board. Okay. Okay, cool. I can do that. I can't control what anybody else wants to spend their time doing. You called me to get Alex Jones on the show. I told Alex, hey, you know, Jason wants to have you on the show. I think it'd be a good thing. I can't control. Alex is getting sued for a billion fucking dollars. Alex Jones is getting sued for a billion fucking dollars. When I had him on my podcast, YouTube took the interview down. Why? It was too powerful. You can go watch it still on YouTube. You can still go watch it on, on I'm not on YouTube, on Rumble. You can still go watch the Alex Jones interview I did on Rumble. And we were so new to this that, the, that the, the frame rate was off in the interview. And I told Alex, man, I don't even know if I want to show this because it doesn't do justice to, to what you said and how powerful it was. But it was powerful, very powerful. Still up on Rumble, episode 18, Please Call Me Crazy. You can find it. Maybe we'll rerun it. But YouTube gave me a strike for what? Cyberbullying. So you want me to reach out to Alex to talk about the Super Bowl boycott? And Alex Jones is getting sued for a billion dollars? Because of Sandy Hook? It ain't about Sandy Hook. They don't care about nothing. How is the same people who teach little boys to chop their penis off when it's a net, when it's a net, uh, uh, when, when it's a known fact that people who undergo this type of, of bodily transformation surgery have very, very dark Medical psychological outcomes, one of which is suicide. If nothing else, uh, very radical drug use and, and self-reports of unhappiness. But they're going to tell me they care about the kids. Liberal white women are going to tell me they care about the kids of Sandy Hook. Give me a break. Give me a break. Same neoliberals and neocons like Victoria Nuland that are going to, you know, fight Russia into a nuclear war. I mean, what kind of stories are we telling each other here? And now I'm the bad. Now you want to come for the hatchet, man? Are you are you are you that far out there? Are you that far out there that you really thought by you going to some tweet and saying that I'm really a, a BLM plant? You think the you think Black Lives Matter? You think the establishment, the liberal mainstream establishment, would run that many hit pieces on me? To what, legitimize me to the MAGA movement? This is exactly what Mother Jones said. You're late. You're not paying attention, buddy. Mother Jones already ran this play. They showed the pictures of me leading the protest when I was wearing the mask because Governor Walt said we had to wear masks. Sometimes I wore the mask, sometimes I didn't. Had a lot of people around me who said, hey, if you organize a protest and you don't tell people that they should wear masks, then you'll be liable to get sued if there's a huge outbreak of COVID. Okay, wear the fucking mask. Wear the mask, don't wear the mask. It don't matter to me, really. Just bring your ass on down to the Federal Reserve. And when I get ready to stand up here with this bullhorn and talk about corporatocracy and, and economic Ponzi schemes, uh, if, you, if, the mask, if you can still hear with the mask on, fine, wear it. Doesn't matter to me. Just listen the fuck up. And I'm taking my mask off. And I'm passing the bullhorn to the other men who now have a better understanding of the economic Ponzi scheme and the real railhead of power, right? That's who I am. Mother Jones already ran this play. 
The Mother Jones article, they had me right next to Steve Bannon and said, how did a man who went from BLM become the darling of the far right? Uh, the truth is how it happened. <laughs> uh, the truth is, is what took place there. Jason, clarity. Clarity is what took place. Understanding, urgency, a sort of obsession with finding the truth. Not parroting headlines, not looking for clicks, not trying to build a YouTube channel, but real clarity. Spending time with yourself, writing the ideas down, sorting through the ideas, challenging the ideas yourself to yourself on paper, rewriting the ideas, and coming up with a better understanding. This is the process. And I'm not saying that what Fearless talks about or the things that they talk about don't have merit. I don't need to say that in order to make this point. The point is, Jason, you're starting to show what you really think of your audience on a multitude of fronts. One, you think you could tell them that Mark, in, Mark Levin has no influence, but you yourself ran a clip where you told me not to say the man's name. Like he, like he sits at the high table in John Wick or some shit. I don't give a fuck about Mark Levin. He ain't nobody to me. You know, he ain't nobody where I come from. He's nobody of consequence. He can't hold a fucking candlestick to Steve Bannon, and he knows it. He can't hold a candlestick to Alex Jones, and he knows it. The entire conservative media apparatus has built a position, a makeshift position, for Mark Levin to step in and service and make money from and have influence from. And actually, that position is greatly the controlled opposition. And you're starting to fall into that spot yourself, my friend. Slowly but surely, you talk about MAGA, you talk about Christianity, you talk about America first, you talk about, uh, uh, you know, supporting Donald Trump. Yet you use the same tactics against your real friend on behalf of your fake friend that they use on Donald Trump to try and steal your citizenship and your rights. And last but not least, the anxiety and depression. Oh, oh boy. When all else fails, let's try and attack the guy who said mental health is the greatest social issue we face. What about me seems depressed? What about me seems anxious? I mean, I, I definitely think everybody lives with a certain level of anxiety. And even more so today, I'd say my anxiety was sort of prophetic. Because if you're not anxious today, I don't know what's wrong with you. If you're not anxious right now, you might be a complete fucking sociopath. And when I see people lie or are dishonest in the way that you were last night, I start to think to myself, wow, brother's detached, for real. Detached from reality, detached from sacred honor. Kind of surprised. I'm not going to be honest. I'm surprised. And many of your fans were surprised. And many of your fans made their way over to my chat and said, wow, we can't even believe Jason would do that. I, I, that... That don't even seem like Jason. What's going on with him? And I continue to say, I'm praying for you. And I am praying for you. And this ain't no final destination. Because unlike me, I believe in real Christian values like repentance. I remember the story of how Paul was formerly Saul and, and, and was a blasphemer and didn't believe in God. He referenced meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus and then later become, became the, the, the biggest evangel, uh, evangelist for the Christian faith, your Christian faith tradition. 
didn't believe in God. Now, I come from a Catholic family, a Catholic community, but I come from a Democrat, uh, a Democrat community, a, a cultural Democrat community. And the whole premise of your show is that there are a lot of black men and black women who have been sucked into to, to being cultural Democrats. We don't want any of these people to come. Oh, we just want them to come watch your show. We don't want them to actually become Republicans or we don't want them to actually vote or we don't want them to actually become America first worldview holders. We don't want them to become advocates and fighters for a candidate like Donald Trump. We don't want them to become candidates for the United States Senate that actually reflect and will stand for those values. We just want them to come watch your show. Come on, sir. You got to come better than that. It's me. It's me, big bro. You got to come better than that. You know, I don't even, I don't know who's over there talking to you. You better, you better go back and huddle the fuck up with uh, uh, Hadley and Shamika and TJ and, and y'all better come with it. But I know, see, I know Shamika would never, I know Shamika ain't helping y'all with this one. She knows y'all are way out there on a tangent on this one. So you go back and you huddle up with John, who I like. I love John Hadley. Me and John have had just as many conversations, if not more, than me and Jason. And many times, as early as last week, John Hadley calls and says, man, after every time I, I talk to you on the show, I always leave with a different perspective on things. I really appreciate that. And me and John would disagree sometimes. Last week, we disagreed a little bit about the perspective of this Israel-Palestine deal. Why? For a multitude of reasons. But first, first off is a set of first principles and, 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 and baseline premises that, that come from a historical knowledge of the situation and, and how people are going to be used now to forward the agenda. And that does call for a certain level of urgency, obsession, and a focus and commitment, to say the least, about politics. How dare you say I'm obsessed with politics to an audience that greatly watches you because they're trying to find the the, the most honest dialogue about politics and culture. And that's why you're getting the feedback you're getting. I see the comments, and I appreciate all of you in the fearless audience who have, who have spoken your piece in, in support of me. I, I really do appreciate it, you know, because I come from a Democrat community. I come from a community where just reject, just, just railing, just fighting back against the NBA got me so much backlash in my own community because of the love, the loyalty to the NBA or the game of basketball in our community. People who never really took the time to listen to what I had to say just don't face value because they're so attached to the NBA as an institution, the game of basketball at that level, the jerk-off that professional sports has come to provide us. They rejected me from the, from the word go. They ridiculed me from the word go. And I was built for a time such as this. And I thank God that I had the balls to stand up and say that the NBA was a part of the scam as early as I did. And it allowed me to go on this journey to have the clarity I have now to not only be able to speak the truth, but to take the arrows from sideshow attacks like the one my dear friend Jason Whitlock just tried to wage on me last night. I was built for this, bro. There's nothing you could say. The real America first is they know who I am. The MAGA movement, they know who I am. The War Room Posse, they know who I am. You're in the dark. You know, you're, you're, you, you got the toe. You're, you're playing the toe-in game with, with politics, not me. 
me and the American front, we've been through the fire. We, they, they know where I stand on this stuff. You know, when, when, when the New York Times puts your face up there with the Donald Trumps and the Elon Musks and, and, and the Tucker Carlsons and, and all these other people who are so supposedly radicals, like you called me last night, radicals, the man used the word radical against me. I mean, it actually sounds like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Clinton saying, we got to formally re-educate these Donald Trump supporters. I would be one of them. I would be falling in that camp where they need to re-educate me. Where was your face when the New York Times said these are the these are the most dangerous uh, um, these are the most dangerous uh, uh, you know misin misinformation promoters in the conservative movement, in the Republican movement, in the far right. It was me and D Dinesh and, and Tucker and your boy Glenn Beck. Oh, he was in there. Um, and, and Donald Trump and Elon Musk. And, you know, there was a whole at Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I'm not saying all those people are legitimate. I'm really not. And I'm not creating a purity test upon which what everything everybody has done. We're moving in one direction. America first. A lot of us have a lot of different ideas about how we get there. I get that. But there's one ironclad foreign policy position that, that draws a distinct line between America first and, and, and the opposite. And that would be the foreign aid for potential forever wars. Clear line. Very clear, distinguishable line. We're not sending any more of our money, any more of our military equipment, or any more of our sons and daughters into forever wars. Your buddy, your friend, Mark Levin, who you only talked to three times in your life, your friend Mark Levin wants us to get in a forever war. And it's funny, you would mention Ben Shapiro, and you go after Ben Shapiro, you go after Ben Shapiro, you know, whenever you want, which I don't have a problem with. Go after whoever you want. Go after me. I like it. I'm built for that. But you go after Ben Shapiro and you don't go after Mark Levin. And they were on the show basically jerking each other off with the same exact worldview. But if my mouth is open and my lips are moving, then I'm lying. And I hate to even do this because people will see this as, as me, um, you know, going back on my word not to talk about this further or not to, to make it personal and to take the high road. I'm still trying to take the high road. I still love you. I'm still saying this in love. It's a little bit more stern love. It's a little bit more, more, uh, uh, it's a little bit more tough love, but I'm still saying it out of love. You could unblock, you could stop acting like a female and unblock me from Twitter and unblock my phone number and call me tomorrow morning and we could have a talk about this. I'm open for that. Women run from situations. Women run from confrontations a lot of times. You know, get their stuff, leave, block your number, get a restraining order, that type of deal. Your version of a, of a, of a restraining order is to try and assassinate my character. On behalf of who? Who do you think you're fooling? Who do you think you're fooling? You think the America First movement is that dumb? Maybe the Ron DeSantis crowd or the 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 lukewarm uh, uh you know politics with French fries crowd, maybe they'll buy that shit. 
But the Trump, the, the Trump move, they not buying that shit. They know who you are. They can tell. They can see it. You went on your own show and ran a clip where you told me I couldn't say Mark Levin's name, and then you tried to say that he doesn't have any influence at the Blaze. Well, whether he's calling directly or not, he seems to have influence in your mind. He seems to have influence with you. And what does it say if he's actually not the owner or the, or, or, or the top brass or the higher up over there at the company, and you're protecting him like that? Why do I need to talk about the NAACP being infiltrated by Jewish uh, lobby or, 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 or Jewish higher-ups like you want to when you have the problem in your own fucking uh, ecosystem, in your own little watering hole? Come on now. We got to get clear about these things. Leadership. Leadership, leadership, leadership. I want people who start to see the truth. I want people who used to be Democrats to be Republicans. If they really believe in America first positions, if they really believe in America first uh, policies, I invite seeing uh, these are the same people who say, oh, RFK, no go because of his position on some issues. He's on a journey. I'm looking at where he's headed, not where he's been or where, uh, not where he's been. I'm looking at where he is, and I'm smart enough to know where he's headed. See, when you're an athlete, you got to see the next step ahead. You have to see the next play ahead. And in fairness, being a lineman, you don't necessarily have to see the next play ahead. It's a very crash and stop type of, 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 of sport. It's a very crash and stop type of, of format, type of athleticism, type of gameplay. When you play point guard at 270 pounds at, at a professional level, you got to be able to see what happens next. You got to be able to see where people are going, not where they've been, and not even necessarily where they're at. You have to see where they're headed. I got to put that pass out in front of you, and that's what I'm doing for you. I'm trying to put the ball out in front of you so you can run into it. And later you'll come back and you'll thank me. And there'll be very, very little you can say to this display you've put forward. But hey, we all, we all get forgiveness. And I'm not being arrogant, but you're really showing your ass. I, I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you straight up. You're showing your ass. Cut the shit. Your, your fan base who loosely supports Republican politics, maybe they're registered, maybe they're not, maybe they vote, maybe they don't. I don't know. The Republican Party is only one-third full, so we obviously have a crisis of grassroots activism and participation. That much is clear from the precinct strategy and, and Dan Schultz's work and Steve Bannon's work. The party's only one-third full. So we obviously have a crisis of grassroots Republican participation in the party. Who are the people that endorse candidates? Who are the people who pick the RNC leaders? Who vote for the RNC uh, uh, chair? We have a crisis of participation. So, you know, you, you, can, you can say that 
you have a pro or or I'm a fraud, you know, or or I'm lying, or I'm a BLM plant that that I'm a BLM plant and I was trained. This man had the audacity to say I was trained to get next to him. Ain't nobody worried about what you're doing. You're doing baby food for black folks, to be honest. The military industrial complex is the juice. We've all identified it now. Wake up, buddy. We're on the brink of World War III. We see the emphasis. We see the priority on military and conflict around the world beyond our borders as a justification to steal people's tax money, to steal people's right to vote, to steal a presidential candidate's right to be on the ballot. We see what the, what the real motivation is, what the real agenda, what the real tool is, what the go-to move is. You're not seeing the go-to move. Or maybe you do and you're in on it. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. I can only deal with the facts as they are on the ground. And the fact is right now, I went to talk about Israel. I went to talk about this conflict. I took a very, very America first approach to the conflict there in Israel. And I went to mention your friend, who you've only talked to three times in your life, Mark Levin, and his counter America first position on the conflict in, in Israel. And what comes out of it is you attack me. Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. Donald Trump was involved with Democrats. We love Ronald Reagan. We parade him around. We put pictures of him up in our, in our, in our Republican po political uh, uh, office and den. And yes, Ronald Reagan was a very likable guy. Ronald Reagan did a lot of good things. But Ronald Reagan was surrounded by neocons. Bush, Meese, Levin, Elliot Abrams, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, Daddy Bush is the, the <laughs> he was surrounded by neocons. That's just what it was. Did he know? Did he understand what, 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 what it was? I can't, I, I, who, can, who can say? Who can say? He also passed legislation that made it damn near impossible to sue Big Pharma for their negligence. Funny how that comment could get this podcast taken down, but we all revere Ronald Reagan as the great saint of the Republican Party. Donald Trump supporters. No problem that he used to be involved with Democrats. No problem that he used to be involved. Oh, but when the young black guy, when the young black guy who comes from a cultural Democrat community, but those same black people were the only ones to deny the vaccine, or those same black people are the ones right now saying, stop sending our money to Ukraine when black communities are in, in, in shambles. Which Steve Bannon just said yesterday on his podcast, and I loved it. He goes, look, think of, think of the spit in the face it is to the, the, the black and Hispanic men, uh, the black and Hispanics all across the country. Uh, and, and you're now going to, you know, you're going to send even more. You're going to overwhelm the public school system even more. With all of this illegal immigration, with the real the real war front that we face in this country, now you're gonna now you're gonna overwhelm the public school system for black and Hispanic children. That's a hitter. That's a man who isn't bogged down by by the the pre baked parameters or or constraints of the movement. That's a man who's leading the movement. That's a man whose ideas and wisdom and insight is leading the movement. You're trying to ride the wave of the movement. You are. 
When I go and say you got to look at the police as the lowest rung of the military industrial complex, well, let's just talk about it now. See, see, this is the part I love because when people's when people's um when people's worldview isn't rooted in 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 factual history, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. When people's worldview isn't rooted in history, they leave themselves open to to very very simple simple ideological. Uh, Debunking. Right. Who trains the police? After 9-11, who became a significant guide in the overall policy and training of the police? I'll wait. Go ahead in the comments. See, if you, if you look at my comments, I've started to build an audience, slow but growing, quality not quantity. I've started to build an audience who already knows these kind of things. I went and sought them out because I want 100,000 pipe hitters. I don't want 400,000 jerk-offs, politics with French fries. And I'm not saying everybody in the fearless audience is that. I see the comments. I see the support. I understand. Trust me. Love and support from, from, from Morpheus, from the Hatchet Man. I get it. But there is a huge cohort who you can go find, say, no, let's just talk about football. Let's just talk about sports. Politics 24-7 is too much. Too much? When is it going to be urgent? If not, when they're going to take the presidential candidate off the ballot. I mean, what would need to happen? What would need to happen for you to think, hey, you know what? This is urgent. Are you going to wait till they actually knock on your door? Don't you realize it's too late? Won't a Mark Levin tell you? Won't a Mark Levin tell you about the Jewish tradition of the, un, of the unrisen bread, the unleavened bread? Won't he tell you about the Passover uh, uh, holiday, the Passover tradition? That you leave before the bread rises? That God came and he told the Jews to leave Egypt before the bread rises? Won't they come forward and talk to you in biblical terms? Or will they keep telling you, hey, you know what? You know, we don't, we don't gotta talk, we don't, we don't gotta be obsessed with politics, like Jason said last night. No, we don't have to be obsessed with politics. You know, Royce, he's obsessed with politics and it. I mean, you actually thought that was going to work? Obsessed with politics? They're taking Donald Trump off the ballot. Maybe it's just maybe it's just me. Maybe I just see that as a level of 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 tyranny and lawfare that's completely unacceptable for any and every American citizen that can hear the sound of my voice. Maybe it's just me. I thought I had an entire crew, an entire team, an entire community who had that same sense of urgency. But as we continue to talk about Deion Sanders, what the fuck do I care about Deion Sanders going four and four in Colorado and saying, I told y'all so. I mean, even the people who want to hear that I have an indictment of, and I don't want them watching my podcast. That's the difference between me and you. You have this business model type mentality to your broadcasting career. And I told you the pitfall of it is looking at it as a career. And that's why now that your people in the fearless audience are giving you feedback that I was a little more valuable to the show than you may have thought or realized. Now you want to go to desperation to try and assassinate my character. But you can't win that fight because my views are going to speak for themselves. You're the one who has to, has to verify your views, your beliefs. 
And you may even be able to do that with an audience. But we're talking about over the long haul, and even more so, we're talking about with God. Because God knows the truth. God knows where your heart really is, and he knows where mine is. And I can stand on that part. That part I'm very solid on. That part where I lead the protest during George Floyd, and I know there's a bunch of liberal, purple, green, pink-haired liberals out there, and I say, bow your head while we pray in front of the Federal Reserve. See how I brought God to where the money was? You see how I brought God and Christ to where the money changers are? But hey, I guess I'm anti-Semitic, right? I guess that makes me anti-Semitic to talk about uh, fractional reserve banking or, or the International Monetary Fund or the Federal Reserve or the World Bank. I guess that makes me anti-Semitic now. But if I talk about the NAACP and, and Jewish influence on the NAACP with Kyrie and Kanye and Dave Chappelle, I'm explaining things at a level that your audience can understand. Why do you insult your audience like this? Why do you insult the people who give you their time and energy and trust you to guide them, to lead them? Why do you insult them this way? Steve Bannon doesn't insult his audience. Alex Jones doesn't insult his audience. Now, they may get it wrong from time to time. They may not, they may not have it all ironed out from time to time, but they never insult the audience. They never insult the audience's intelligence. That's been the hallmark of Alex Jones's career, and that's exactly why recently Alex Jones says, besides me, Steve Bannon is the next best guy. That's why I just hosted InfoWars a week ago. Because real recognizes real. And I can only vouch for you to a certain level. I can only vouch for you to a certain point. And this whole concept that, that, that there's room for sports with what we're seeing today is complete fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit for 501c3 Christians and, 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 and lukewarm, uh, milk toast, on the fence, rhino Republicans, people who are apolitical for, you know, uh, and moving in the wrong direction. I mean, there's people who are going in the wrong direction and the nihilism that, you know, it's all over. The, the, the system's rigged. There's nothing we can do about it. My vote doesn't count. Both parties are bad. Yeah, both parties are bad. Go into one and change one. Hell, go into the Democrat Party and change that party. Tougher mission. Not going to lie. I wasn't willing to do it. Because I understand from a political standpoint that the Democrat Party has, has, has a, an ideological, uh, a sort of ideological hegemony. What Donald Trump did, what the America First Nationalist Populist Movement did, what MAGA did, was it opened up. It opened up the door for an American populist that had developed a nihilism about the political process and found a home, found a party to go into to try and change the, the status quo. That's a beautiful thing. Praise be to God. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen to that. And as I get further and further from when Donald Trump first walked down that escalator and the wolves descended, I start to see the truth about him and about the movement. Why? Because they come for me the same way. 
And right now you're coming to try and assassinate my character the same way they do Donald Trump. And you're, you're, scared, to, you're scared to really get cross with, with Donald Trump's supporters. You won't come right out and, and, and denounce Donald Trump. But when you go to back Levin the way you do, all of the America Firsts and MAGA crowd, we know. And I'm tired of this whole sort of unspoken thing that's going on, too. And I'm tired of this idea that, hey, you know, everybody has their own little piece to do. Get serious. Get serious now. They're threatening to take the president of the United States off the ballot. Off the ballot. Get serious now. This ain't, this ain't no, this ain't no uh, uh, run-of-the-mill, everyday political corruption. This is like going for it. This is, the, this is throwing a Hail Mary. This is a desperation play. This is a heave. This is being on the one-yard line and going to the flea flicker. This is going to the, to, to, you know, to the lateral, the, the lateral throw at, at the end of the game. The only difference is we're the ones that are in the desperate position. We're playing the down position. We're the ones who have been backed into our own end zone. And y'all want to talk about football. I'm just getting rolling. I don't have a time limit. I don't have nowhere to be. I don't have an in and out time. I don't have a studio full of producers that, that are on the clock that I pay to have to cut the, the, the episode up and edit and, and all this. I don't have a format. I'm not running a show. I'm just talking that real shit. Whoever would say that, they, that, that, that right now, this moment in American history, we can be, you know, we can be uh, halfway in, halfway out with our political participation or our political focus. Number one, they're probably not coming into the movement to help us anytime soon. Hopefully they do, pray that they do, but they're probably not because I don't know what else they would need to see to have a sense of urgency. Number two, it's highly probable that they've always played a sort of role that protects the status quo in their own personal life. And I've said before, when you really get down to what Jason is doing, when you really, get, when you really look at the arc of the format of the show, and it took me a while to understand this, it took, you know, hours and hours about Stephen A. Smith and Deion Sanders and this athlete and that athlete. Look, I love it. And yeah, it'll get clicks. When you throw somebody else's face on the, on the, on the thumbnail, it'll get clicks, no doubt. When you're saying something controversial or, or, con uh, or contrary to the liberal media, yeah, it'll get clicks. But what is it hiding? That's the more important question. Who is it hiding? Who is it hiding? And you want to talk about Jewish influence in the Jewish lobby, look at the ADL. The ADL would presumably be anti or on the other side of, of the Zionist movement there in Israel, but we see them come together right now, don't we? In lockstep. And it's not a knock on the Jewish, on Jewish people writ large. Just like me talking about the CCP, isn't a knock on, on, on Chinese people, all Chinese people. Just like me talking about the black bourgeoisie isn't a knock on all black people. Or, uh, you know, the black-on-black -black crime element isn't a knock on all black people. 
or illegal immigrants isn't a knock on all uh, Mexican or Hispanic or Latino people. I don't talk in those type of generalities. There's no need to. People who talk in those kind of generalities uh, are trying to, are trying to, um, they're trying to pander to a certain type of audience that is, that is attuned to, that's accustomed to listening for, for key, for keys, for cues to jump in and throw their catharsis that they're really doing something to change the, to change the status quo. Like if, you, like if you just say you vote Republican or you support Donald Trump, that's changing the status quo. Yeah, we want you to vote for him, but we want you to be involved. We want you to become a precinct committee man. We want you to go into the Republican Party. There's 350 million people that live in the country. 75 million, maybe more, voted for Donald Trump. There's only 100,000 people in the Republican Party. Guys, you seeing how, how, you seeing how insulting they are to your intelligence? What do they keep you focused on? They keep you focused on the LGBTQ. They keep you focused on the Black Lives Matter movement. And last, they save the, the Women's and Time's Up movement because, you know, everybody still has their sexual pursuits and their lusts, right? So we'll save the women for last. I mean, we'll only deal with the women when we have to, when they get a little over the top. Like when they try and stop a Supreme Court justice for an alleged sexual assault that happened 40 years ago. Then we'll say, you know what, enough is enough. But other than that, LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter. Easy, to, easy, 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 easy. Easy, 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 easy to point out how wild the trans community and the LGBTQ movement has gotten. Easy, easy, easy. So easy, even people in the LGBTQ movement are like, whoa, this is out of control. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We want to sleep with the same sex. We want to we get married to the same sex, but we don't want to tell young men to chop their dicks off. This is crazy, okay? This is, out, this is over the top, right? Even they're doing, even, even within their own community. Even the Black Lives Matter community, people are saying, wait, wait, wait a second. Black Lives Matter raised how many millions of dollars? And they went and bought mansions. Oh, these people are frauds. Or they won't even speak about black on black crime. Or, or you got trans women or black lesbian women who are leading the Black Lives Matter movement but prioritizing the LGBTQ movement like President Barack Obama did. Yeah, that's easy to do. And that's worth it to do. But we've been pointing that contradiction out for two years now. I've been on Fearless for two years. When I first came on the show, that's what I talked about. And we keep going back to it. We keep going back to it. And I'm even okay if we keep going back to it. But can we have some balance? Sure, Deion Sanders and other athletes, other black celebrities, other people who have been given a lot of, a, a lot of mainstream media coverage, a lot of an influence and, 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 um, and a huge public microphone, a lot of them are being used to, 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 to distract. Absolutely. I get that. I was critical of LeBron James. I had a young man come up to me, you know, with the team. I, I helped with the young fellas. And I had a young man come up to me. He said he found my TikTok. And he said, why don't you like LeBron? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I saw your TikTok. You don't like LeBron. I said, I love his game. I hate his interviews. Simple. I love his game. I think he's a very skilled player. He plays the right way for the most part. 
nobody can nobody can shortchange his accomplishments as an athlete. He's played 20 years and he's better than 95% of the league still in his 20th season. It's it's almost uh, uh, you know not human what he's doing from an athletic standpoint. I said watch the games, watch him close, watch how he plays, watch how he sees the next play, watch how he anticipates the next play, watch the level of intensity he plays with most of the time, at least when he's interested. When he's not tired, I mean, 21 seasons is a lot. And as soon as the game goes off and the interviews come on, watch how he bullshits and learn from that. And that's what I tell my young young men. Watch the bullshit. Love his game, hate his interviews. That's honest. I don't need to be the guy who goes LeBron James is a terrible basketball player or, you know, Michael Jordan was better than him as some type of you know, a way to knock LeBron because I don't like his politics. And so often I see people try to build these totology-type arguments about people that they, that they disagree with. For what reason? It's an it's a, it's a, it's a insecurity. It's a, it's a real show of weakness that I got to mischaracterize somebody to try and get my point across about who they are. It shows a lack of, of, of confidence in being able to articulate the essential information to the audience you're talking to, the signal from the noise, as Steve Bannon would call it. That's what it shows. The Fox machine is where you come from, Jason. Let's talk. Let's talk for real. Let's talk for real. The Fox machine is where you come from. You come from the newts. And the Bill O'Reilly's and and you know the 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 Sean Hannity's and the Mark Levins and that entire you know apparatus. And they threw you in a tough spot when they fired Tucker. It threw you in a strange spot. But you come from within that machine. So it makes sense that you wouldn't understand the need to call out the neocons. You think that I'm just picking Mark Levin out for no reason. As you kind of alluded to last night, that the Mark Levin thing is just random. That I'm just picking a beef with him because he's Mark Levin and like he wouldn't know who I was. I don't give a fuck if he knows who I am or not. I'm talking to your audience about who he is. I'm talking to my audience about who he is. I'm talking to any audience about who the neocons are. Not randomly, because we're going to war, and the neocon and neoliberal world order wants to bring us into a war. It's uber-relevant. <laughs> it's not irrelevant. It's uber-relevant. But it's not uber-relevant if you think politics are secondary, tertiary. It's not uber-relevant if you think, ah, you know, politics is just another thing to be talking about. It's not uber-relevant if you think, hey, we shouldn't be obsessed with politics. Let's talk Deion Sanders. Respectfully. Wish Deion Sanders the best. Hope that he's doing well. Hope he's healthy. Hope his kids are, are healthy. Hope the team is, you know, has good morale and they continue to play hard and get better and, and whatever. I mean, that's what sports is. You go out, you play, you win some, you lose some. Are you getting better? Did you leave it all out there? These are the questions every athlete and every team must, must ask themselves and answer for themselves. Same thing I tell my young guys this morning. Every day you come in here, you got a chance to get better. Count it as a blessing that you even woke up this morning. And then be happy.
that you get to come in here and go hard and try and improve yourself. Find the happiness in that. That doesn't mean goofy. That doesn't mean be playful. That doesn't mean be, you know, joke. It, it, it means appreciate, have gratitude for the ability to focus, to, to have that committed sort of effort and, and the ability to improve oneself over the course of time and the amount of work and effort you put in, the self-sacrifices you make. This is being Christian. This is why Christianity is not an easy religion. I know a lot of 501c3 Christians want to make it an easy religion. They want to make it a passive faith tradition, but it ain't one. It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to submit to God, to submit to Christ. It's hard. It was set up that way intentionally because nothing great ever gained is done easy. No real movement, no real, no real transformation of the American psychology, the American worldview can come from our political commentators taking the easy road. That's not what Christ did. He didn't take the easy road. He didn't spare the Mark Levins or anybody else. He went right to the temple and turned the tables over. These people are your problem right here. This is, they're not all your problem, right? You got your own problems. You got your own spiritual matters. You got your own spiritual pitfalls, your own flaws, your own, your own vices, your own deadly sins you got to contend with. But these people are misguiding you. Don't listen to them, my friend. Don't listen to these people. These people right here, they, they, they're going to send you off. And you're getting sent off. And people understand it. Now, there's a lot of people out there who, out of their, who, who, there's a lot of people out there who, in their unwillingness to, to represent any real, tangible fight against the corrupt status quo, Love taking your, your latest desperate attempt to assassinate my character. They were waiting on it. The whole time they heard me, they were fighting with it. Ah, uh, man, he goes deep. I, I want to be able, I, I, I feel like I, sh I need to engage with that. I feel like I'm obligated to, to understand what he's talking about because uh, he's saying with so much conviction, there must be something to it, but, but I really don't want to have to spend the time doing it. I'd much rather watch football and drink beer and eat chicken wings and talk about how black men are, are stealing uh, uh, you know, bags out of department stores or how Donald Trump needs to be a little bit more polished in his approach politically, right? That sort of person. The sort of person who would, who would vote for Ron DeSantis looking both ways before he crosses the road in the political context, in a, in a, in a debate where Donald Trump isn't even present. <laughs> I mean, come on. He couldn't even deal with Vivek. Vivek steamrolled the Ron DeSantis and everybody else there. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, neocons. And the people on the show, and this is even Delano, and I like Delano. I think Delano's really, really smart, and I hate to see that he's been on the show less. Hit your boy, Delano. We ain't got to gossip about Jason. That ain't, I, don't, I don't do that. But I haven't had you on the podcast yet. But Delano's pitfall is talking about Ron DeSantis from a more moral or cultural standpoint, right? The cultural wedge issues. Yes, the cultural wedge issues can be used to, to divide and conquer and to, and to uh, uh, damage the spirit and soul of the populace or the constituency. But so can the scam that they're running behind the cultural wedge issues. 
And the real question is, what path is there to to really evangelizing any of these people? It's hard. I get it. There are no easy there are no easy questions and there are no easy answers. But I'll tell you this: the military industrial complex neocon scam that the Ron DeSantis's and the Nikki Haley's are running in this country is at the heart of much more pernicious policy and legislation than anybody could possibly really fathom that isn't attuned to the politics. This is what Matt Gates said. When he talks about lobbyism and special interests, who do you think a good portion of those lobby, the, the, the lobbyism and special interests are? You had Matt Gates on the show. It's funny, you bring Matt Gates on the show. You sing Matt Gates praises. Matt Gates gives me a compliment about speaking the truth spot on. I go after Mark Levin right after Matt Gates gets off the show because Mark went after Matt Gates and all of a sudden I'm the conspiracy theorist and the anti-Semite? Who's believing that? Who out there is believing that? If you're believing that, I just really don't give a fuck because I know you're, you're gullible and, and for some reason, you know, you, you, you don't, you're, you're fighting against the truth. The biggest indictment of me was there was a tweet that was done for me about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in 2020, who I didn't vote for. In fact, I just went and got my, um, my ID uh, changed, the address on my ID changed in, in the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, they asked me if I wanted to register. And I sat there for a moment and I was like, man, I wonder should I register independent? And then it clicked for me. This whole independent movement for me doesn't make sense. I want to bring people into the Republican Party, the precinct strategy. But that's what crossed my mind. Because now that I'm over in the Republican Party, I see how, how much of a stronghold, how much of a death grip the neocon and rhino establishment has on the party itself, which is why Steve Bannon goes right over the top with the air game for you out there, the, the, the Trump supporters, the 75 million, the deplorables. The little platoons all across the country. He goes direct to you. Why? Because he can't go to Fox. He can't go to the main. He can't he can't go to the mainstream conservative media. They rejected him with all of their might. And I think Jason just did. I think Jason is so new to politics, but he but he understands the the uh, the generation of uh, uh, um, the, how it generates um, views and clicks and, and attention that that he's kind of halfway in it. And you can tell he's halfway in it because the very basic the very basic pillars of of the Republican Party. From a from a personnel standpoint, let's say, a who's who, he's not really rock solid around. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing less America first than foreign than interventionist foreign policy. There's nothing the military and our foreign policy with military is the sine qua non of globalism. It's not anti-Semitic. In, in that way, it's really not anti-Semitic. Other than the few neocons like Mark Lynn who happen to be Jewish who are involved in that scam, but there was just as many George Bushes who were involved in it as well. I mean, how can I be anti-Semitic when I'm saying, that, you know, George Bush isn't Jewish? Not to my understanding, anyway. So it's not really a Jewish thing. It's a, it's a conversation. It's not about ethnicity or race. It's not about gossip. It's not about personal a, a personal past. It's about policy. 
And a man who says politics aren't something we should obsess about or have urgency about doesn't prioritize policy. And somebody like a Delano, I would, I would expect to prioritize policy. And in some ways he tries to. But it's a real blind spot. It's a real failure to not understand how the military-industrial complex has hamstringed the entire American culture and, and, the, and the entire American government. You can't talk about JFK. You can't bring RFK on the show. You can't talk. You bring RFK on the show, and then you make it seem like talking about the military-industrial complex is conspiracy theory. Huh? Well, what? You know, saying Royce gets caught up on a thing and he can't let it go. It's not resolved. Ain't that what you want out of your politicians? Don't you want politicians? Don't you want elected officials who see corruption and they won't quit until there's some resolution or some change? Or are you used to getting politicians who will speak to you about a wedge issue that pops up in the headlines and as soon as it no longer pays dividends in political capital, they run to the next one? Well, that would seem to be the format of the show, wouldn't it, my friend? This is exactly what I'm talking about. You've become a neocon, and you don't even realize it. And even furthermore, you've become a neoliberal, and you don't even realize it. And in the worst and darkest, darkest analysis, you're starting to become a leftist liberal white woman when you try to do the personal character assassinations because you're desperate. you got to come better than that. If you're going to come step out here in, in these waters, you got to come way, way better than you got to be able to go three hours with no notes. You got to be able to go four hours with no notes. I'm just getting started. And it's not really about Jason. It's not personal. This, it, it, and people will say, well, why do you go off on so many tangents? I use one thread of narrative, I use one thing that's happening to highlight, to illustrate, to, to, to shine the truth on a number of other things connected, whether it be the results, whether it be the thing that fed the initial, the initial problem, whatever it is. There's all these issues that, that orbit around whatever topic you're talking about. And if you don't have the nuance, the patience, the commitment, the discipline, the interest to think and talk about things in that matter, you're not ready for this game. You surely ain't ready for these waters out here. This is past the buoy. We're way out past the buoy. When you come out here and swim with me, you're way out there past the buoy. Oh, the buoy's about a mile in. You out here in some deep waters. You, you, you're out here where if your vest ain't, ain't tight, if your vest ain't working and you can't swim, you can't tread water, you probably drowned out here, my friend. Know your limits, respectfully. And I don't care about this age shit, respectfully. Respect is given to those who earn it. And right now, you're being so disrespectful. I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of myself personally and how I'm handling the matter. And there's a lot of soft people out there who are too soft for this moment in American, in American history that would say, oh, you shouldn't have talked about it publicly. You should have brought it to. But you and I know I brought it to you in private, didn't I? Didn't I? I told you who Mark Levin was, didn't I? I sent you the information. I showed you who your boy is. You didn't bring that to the show after you told me not to talk about him on the show. You didn't come to the show the next day with a new topic like, huh, Royce showed me something. In the next time you wanted to talk about the Jewish influence on the NAACP, you didn't have a section carved out in the pre-show show notes for Mark Levin 
or the or the or the the, the Jewish lobby in the neoconservative part of the movement, did you? No, because you know they're all up there running Fox. You know they're in that cohort. You're trying to play your audience, and that that insults me, because I spent my time trying to be as honest and genuine with your audience as possible, all flaws and pitfalls uh, included. Yeah, I let people tweet for me in 2020, and they wanted to turn George Floyd and my protests about the Federal Reserve and about corporatocracy into a let's motivate people to register to vote. And when I said, look, we're not, we're not opting in to any more false promises from the Democrats. We're, we're Ice Cube, not doing it. I'm not doing it. It's bullshit. When I did that, that's exactly when they wanted to stop letting me lead the community in terms of, of, of what would come out of or result from George Floyd, because they knew. They all knew, right here in, in, in locally, in the community. And you can go check the receipts. I'm in front of the Brooklyn Center Police Department when, uh, when, when Dante Wright got shot by, by Kim Porter. And she said she went for a taser, but she went for a gun. And a lot of you right-wing conservatives would believe that she went for her taser and, 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 and didn't know the difference between the weight of a gun and the weight of a taser. I'm not saying in the heat of the moment that you can't make a mistake. I get it. But damn, y'all. I mean, I've held a taser and I've held a gun. I shoot often. You need to be nine, uh, you know, Glock 17? Come on now. Come on now. The handle ain't even the same. Come on now. I'm the one in front of the Brooklyn Center Police Department saying that young black women, 18-year-old black women who identify as this and that will not lead a revolution. That's me. Go get those receipts. Go pull those receipts from uh, 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 the New York Post. When I'm in front of the Brooklyn Center Police Department saying, why is the police department putting up a fence when they were wrong? Come out and talk. What, what's, the most, what's the most that people could really do? I mean, and I'm tired of this whole narrative too. I mean, the BLM and Antifa are, are the... the, the <laughs> The, 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 the new boogeyman from hell. How much of a cuck, how much of a pussy do you have to be to fear a bunch of skinny, emo, you know, uh, white, liberal, progressive, leftist, whatever you want to call them, trans activists? How fucking, how fucking weak and soft do you have to be to paint them out to be a boogeyman. Do I agree with their ideology? Of course not. They're Marxists. I mean, I'm as anti-Marxist as you can get. Do I agree with them putting on like they're protecting or fighting for black people when it's another agenda? Of course not. But I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid. Now, what I am afraid of are Marxists and liberals being in high positions of government through politics and being able to weaponize the court, the legal system, and as a as a byproduct, the police to do the bidding of their ideology. That is what I'm afraid of. That's why I went out and protest against the police, against, against how the police have become militarized. Because that is the real danger. It ain't even about the police, and it ain't about BLM. They got BLM on one side of the fence, they got the police on the other side of the fence, and they're using these people to justify what these people are going to do.
They're using BLM and Antifa to run power up the chain to Marxist, uh, communist, Democrat politicians to work and conspire with their rhino, neocon counterparts to wage lawfare against Donald Trump, take him off the ballot, and eventually come and force you to take a vaccine when you say you don't want to. That's the real scam going on here, and we all know it. And we all know it now, Jason. We know it. You know it. But the America First is in the Donald Trump movement. We, we know it. <laughs> we see what's going on here. There's no amount of bullshit you can sell us. There's no amount of bullshit you can come and, 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 and think that you're going to, what, discredit me? How can you try and discredit me and say that, that what I'm talking about or, or the conversation that I bring is, is somehow conspiracy theory or I've been trained by who, George Soros? Axios, the, the railhead, this is how I know you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you, you're, you're, you're showing, your, you're actually uncovering your, your lack of knowledge in the area. Your, your knowledge is so, is so lacking, it's almost embarrassing to talk to you about it. This is almost embarrassing. I'm, I'm actually embarrassed at your lack of knowledge around the shit. Axios ain't running hit pieces on anybody who's funded by the New World Order in secret. They're not doing it. Axios is the railhead of the New World Order. They're, they're not running hit pieces on people that, they, that, they're, that they're in league with. These people hate me. They hate me for the same reason they hate anybody who's willing to speak the truth. They don't care where, what your past was. They'll use your past when need be to discredit you to the people that you're trying to organize to fight back against their status quo, but they don't care. You could have been a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent. You could have been somebody who's never voted. You could have been Green Party. You could have come from the corporate world. You could have came from the sports world. They don't care. As soon as you try and rail against the status quo, that's when you got a problem. That's when they, that's when they come to attack you and discredit you. And who's doing their work right now? Who's being the Jewish man's whip right now? You. You don't get me to come on the show and talk about Dave Chappelle and Kanye and Kyrie. I was on the show. I don't dis I don't I don't agree with Dave Chappelle on a lot of things. Some things he gets right. I was on the show basically saying that I really didn't appreciate the way that Kanye West went about the whole deal. Much for the same reason I'm telling you. I think he turns it into a show when he could just talk about it serious. And talking about it serious may require a little bit more research and a little more homework so that he can feel comfortable talking about it serious. But with a platform that he has, if he decided to really talk about things serious at the level that I'm trying to, he could have a major impact on this country. And he has had a major impact on opening people's minds. But there's another level. And when you go on Alex Jones and say, I love Hitler. I mean, it's just, it's just theatrical for theatrical sake. It's ridiculous. It's just, you know, it's not helpful. It's not helpful, in my opinion. It, it, it wasn't helpful. So I spoke my piece on Kanye West. Spoke my piece on Operation Paperclip and Nick Fuentes and, and the rest of the crew and Milo uh, Yiannopoulos. I spoke my piece on that. I spoke my piece on Kyrie Irving. That's my, that's my guy. He's having his own spiritual political awakening. Didn't like that he signed a deal with the CCP, with, with, with the Chinese company. Thought that was a huge error. 
He decided to take the money. I didn't appreciate. I don't think that 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 was wise. I think that was a grave a grave mis miscalculation. But hey, everybody's got to walk their own journey. Take the money now. Do the morals later. I guess. I guess you and him may be the same in that sense. And I'm not. I'm not knocking my my friends. I'm just. I'm just telling it like it is. This is all public information. I think Kyrie Irving had a lot of balls, a lot of courage, a lot more than 99% of those other NBA players. But we can't start from what other people are to measure what we need to be. The starting point for what you should be as a leader, what you need to be as a leader, can't be based on what other people aren't. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. And what you're trying to do is what many people try and do to keep people out of the community of Christianity, to keep people out of the community of America first politics and patriotism. You're trying to create some strange purity test that, that references people's past and, and makes it, it, makes it uh, impossible for them to, to gain support or be, or be welcomed in the movement. I'm my own movement, buddy. I'm my own movement. The way that I think, the way that I talk, the way that I'm willing to lead, my, my brand of smash mouth populism is its own movement within the movement. Because people know I'm willing to speak the truth. It's showing your ass, man. Two hour podcast. Oh, two hours is too much. It's what? Two hours is too much to talk about the future of the country? I think not. My podcast comes on at 9 p.m. Central. Most people are already in the bed by, by that time or they're laying it down, they're winding it down. That's why I put my podcast at night. Because during the day, we all should be out trying to save the republic. At night, when it's, when it's all said and done, when, when we're starting to wind down and we're trying to get our mind around what we're going to do the next day, let me add a little bit of insight to, to, to help you, uh, uh, you know, formulate that, that strategy, that personal strategy. Now, tomorrow on the podcast, I'm going to bring Professor Penn on, and we're going to talk about a number of things. But again, I want to talk about this latest conflict in Israel and where we are, where we are now because the thing is escalating. Obviously, it's, it's escalating. Syria, we got, there's, there's big problems. We got, we, got a big, we got a world war brewing right now. And here at home, oh, conveniently, here at home, when a world war is, is, is brewing up, they're going to run the most tyrannical legislative, uh, the most tyrannical and political lawfare in this country's history against Donald Trump. And I want to talk about that, and you want to talk about Deion Sanders on a Monday, on a Monday night. Monday night, Monday, Donald Trump is being, is being taken off the ballot and you spend your time talking about me, attacking me, and, and, and 40 minutes on Deion Sanders in Colorado. And hey, if people want to follow that, I already told them, keep following. Keep, keep, you know, don't unsubscribe. I'm not hating like that. I don't, I, it's not personal. It, it really isn't, at least not for me. This is about the movement. This is about the future. This is about the truth. This is about the people like Mark Levin not being able to weasel their way into the camp and, and 
point to Royce and say, oh, Royce is a BLM activist. No, I come from the Democrat plantation. I come from a cultural Democrat community. Everybody knows the black community is culturally Democrat. I'm the one over there saying it's a scam. Now I come over here and I'm bringing them over here. And when we get over here, we find out there's a scam going on over here as well. And now because I was the one to call the scam out over there, when I get over here, I'm calling it out over here too. I'm equal opportunity with the, with the scam, with, with calling out the scams. Not my boy. He ain't my friend. I don't know him from nowhere. But I know one thing. When you say a man is your friend, when you use the term friend for somebody who you've only talked to three times in your life, and you tell me that I can't talk about him on the show, you're showing who, you're showing who pulls your strings. You're showing who pulls your strings. Come on, Jason. Come on now. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, empowered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. Everybody has to buy tires. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement. That's exactly what they want to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast. I thank you for tuning in again. Thank you to all the new subscribers, the returning subscribers, the viewers, the listeners. If you didn't get a chance already, I was on the Griff Report earlier tonight with, uh, with uh, Hotep Jesus. Long awaited. A lot of people send me messages and say, hey, you need, to, you need to go on the podcast with Hotep Jesus. And I see them on the podcast, right, uh, a few podcasts. And I thought he was an interesting guy. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I, it was, it's cool to finally be able to get that, that podcast and that collaboration done. So I hope you go there and you can enjoy that, that conversation. Um, all of you right now need to be getting activated, need to be getting yourself in the mindset of, of what type of demonstration, what type of, what type of, uh, of, of commitment, what, what kind of recommitment we can have towards this movement and saving the republic and, and, and our citizenship and, and protecting and preserving the value of our citizenship, our citizenship and, and protecting the value of our citizenship. Going forward, because the tyranny is at your door. It's here. It's 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 no longer knocking. It's kicking the door down. When they're selling, when they're saying they're going to take a presidential candidate off the ballot. There isn't anything more urgent that's happened in American history. There really isn't a thing more urgent that's taken place in American history than for your political elites to use, to weaponize the justice system, to weaponize the legal system, to weaponize the military-industrial complex, lowest rung, military, politicians, courts, police. Take your, take your right to choose your elected leaders away from you by majority consensus. And not even majority consensus. You know, this whole thing, I saw Glenn Beck the other day talk about mob, mob rule. That we're being run by mob rule, that there's a danger of mob rule. The dangers of the majority. And I've cautioned about the same thing. I said democracy is one of the four great heresies of the West. Scientific method, one. Democracy, two, computer technology, three, artificial intelligence will be the fourth. 
And this idea that that the truth or what's right always comes out of a democratic majority, always comes out of a majority consensus, is a failure of, of philosophical first principles. Like a big group of people can't get together and lie. But what the idea of democracy says is it's on the people to decide, to, to convey, to influence, to inspire, to motivate, to lead the overall will of the people. And you have to do that by speaking the truth. You have to do that by rebuking and refuting. You have to do that by, by discipline and commitment. Not just to talk, but to actually move the needle, to go to that uncomfortable place. That uncomfortable place where, where your relationships may be affected, your personal relationships. If you can go to that place, if you can go to that place and talk and inspire and motivate, then potentially the will of the, of the majority can be clarified. It can be righteous. It can be good. It can be relatively reasonable and, and uh, legitimate. This will, this, this consensus, this majority is not legitimate. And it's not even a mob rule. It's a minority of political elites and political ideologues. There, there's, there's, no, there's no widespread consensus that Donald Trump should be taken off the ballot. They took six voters, they took six voters and they funded them to bring a lawsuit to take Donald Trump off the ballot. Six voters. That's not mob rule. That's a minority rule, which is even more perverted and strange. So we got to start to think about what we're going to do. And I would, I would recommend that everybody, everybody out there, everybody hold their leaders accountable. Hold your leaders accountable to speak the truth, no matter what ramifications may come to them personally for doing so. Because if you can't do that, if in the very least you can't hold your leaders accountable for where they're headed, where they're at, not where they've been, but where they're at and where they're headed, if you can't hold them accountable, we have no chance to save this republic. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.